Can we welcome David and Vicki Elliott, missionaries to the United States? Their ministry is called Artisan, and I'm sure they'll tell us more about that. Oh, thank the Lord. We'll talk to you in just a minute about Artisan. As we were going through worship, one of the things that really hit me, I was like, Lord, do I have to do this? Because you really don't sometimes when you start a service want to start with challenge. But as your worship leader was leading this morning, the Lord just really spoke to me. You know, the last song says, you're my one defense. You're my one defense. And then pastor got up here and continued to pray following that regarding that sometimes God is asking us to do something that is hard to do. And the minute he said that, it was like, yes, Vicki, you have to do what I'm telling you to do. There is someone, if not more than someone's in here, who you are subtly trying to be your own defense in a situation. I don't know who that is. I like it when God lets us start with other things than this. But the reality is, is if you defend yourself, you do not get the defense many times of your creator. And so I'm challenging you right now. Put down your own sword. Put down your own excuses. Put down your own thing. And even your rights Put them down because you have given your life to the king of kings and he will move on your behalf in his time. If you will put down your own sword and listen, get still and listen to Holy Spirit and refuse to fight the battle that he will fight for you. Wow. Wow. I don't know who you are, but whoever that was for, you need to write it down. You need to put it in your notes app in your phone or whatever it is you've got because the Holy Spirit just stopped this service just to remind you who is king. That's right. Anybody other than me, you need to be reminded sometimes who's king, Mm -hmm. who's in charge, because sometimes it feels like everything around us is actually what is causing things and what's the causative factor and God is reminding you I am the one who sets up and tears down I am the one who will move on your behalf man I feel that strong honey Mm -hmm. and uh, so you just need to be reminded God's in charge you don't have to take up the sword praise God we've had an amazing weekend Um, I'm going to do something right now that we told everybody we do If you were here for the workshop, for the Live Sent workshop Friday night and Saturday, would you raise your hand up real high so that we can see it? Now, if you weren't able to be here, I want you to leave leave your hands up. If you weren't able to be here, I want you to look around and find somebody. I want you to see them because those are people you need to target after service and say, hey, we need to get together. We need to have dinner. We need to have lunch. Up, oh, leave them hands up. I leave know your up. arms getting tired. Come on, y'all. Just You're... another minute. Aaron and her. Let's leave out these. Hands That's up. right, because they are going to be be resources to you to show you how you can reach the people in your neighborhood and your network. Okay, you can put them down now. You They've can put your that. hands down now, but <laughs> set up a time to connect and talk through. They've got a whole set of notes that they did a great job of jotting things down so that we can invest in one another and disciple each other. Amen. Amen. 
Oh, I, I like it already. Y'all are here. Yeah. Usually we have to tell churches we don't like to preach to mouth breathers. Y'all know what a mouth breather is? You ever sat across the table from somebody that the whole time they're going, and you don't know if you're getting anywhere and you're like, are you, are you hearing me? Are we, are we having a conversation here? So we like a good amen. Yes. We like a come on. We yes. like a that's right. We even like a uh huh. <laughs> right? Anybody have a God says something and all you can do is just go uh. You don't want to amen it, but you got to reluctantly be like okay or ouch. Okay. <laughs> Or out. Um, just so that you'll know who we are, um, David and I, God has graciously given us an opportunity to um, begin a ministry called Artisan in Sarasota, Florida. We are reaching out to artists, creatives, theater, and circus folk. Yes, circus folk, just like I, just like it sounds. Um, we are reaching out to them in relational discipleship communities because the reality is is that many people in that segment in that subculture are not really interested in attending church in fact they tend to not like the church and so part of the beauty is is that we are called to be the church which is what live sent is all about. So we are going, spending time with them, being in their world, hearing their stories and seeing how the gospel intersects with that and doing that in small segments, in small discipleship communities. So our heart is our living room be routinely filled with people who don't know Jesus and need to see the kingdom of God. Yes. Um, apparently something's working because we had to change the rug in our living room. That's right. And all of our neighbors know, they say, y'all always have a lot of cars in your, in your driveway. Y'all have a lot of family. And we go, you could say that. Yeah. Yeah, We have a lot of people that we, we do life with. And so through relationship, intentionally choosing to be relational with people who don't necessarily like the church, don't necessarily like Christians and have no interest in God, we choose to establish relationship with them and use those relationships as on-ramps to discipleship. So that's what the whole Live Sent Weekend is about. And uh, we're going to talk to you about a message that Pastor actually mentioned this weekend. And he said, I've preached this message probably a thousand times. And we went, great. (laughs) But I believe as we share this message... We want to bring out some missional components that sometimes we don't see. In fact, I had never seen until the Lord really began to refocus and repurpose some things in my life. And the title of this message is Grave Robbers. Now, we like to talk about Jesus being a grave robber, but I want you to understand something. He's called you and me to be grave robbers. That's right. That's right. I said, he's called you and me to be grave robbers. There you are. Okay. 
If you don't know the old Petra song, listen to it today on YouTube. It's a great song. Okay. Look at four pieces of, we're going to look at four pieces of Lazarus's resurrection that we believe speaks to us today on how to live sin. So we're going to jump right into that story in John 11, 17 to 44. We are not going to read all of that. Everybody says, good, that's a lot of reading. But read it for yourself. It's a great and beautiful story. So we're going to start at John eleven thirty eight. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Live sent. You sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Father, as we dive into your word, I pray that you would hide us behind your cross. Lord, that we would decrease so that you and your purposes and your plans can increase. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in us, through us, as your representation in the earth. I ask you to roll the stone away from our understanding. Roll the stone away from eyes that that we would be able to see some things that maybe we haven't seen before and to understand some things that we haven't understood before. Lord, we give you the right of way. We yield to you to do and to say as you choose. Lord, we want to be about what you're about today. In Jesus' name I pray. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 So the first thing we want to look at from this passage is a revival. Not like revival. The thing that's interesting is We've limited that word to something that happens in church. Mm-hmm. We've limited that word to something that we schedule. <laughs> like we can schedule revival. Come on, somebody. Come on. We don't schedule revival. Jesus makes an interesting statement in verse 41 that kind of sets up this whole message. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus says, I, the the father already heard him and get this. I never noticed this before. It doesn't appear that Jesus prays again for Lazarus. Even here, he's not praying for Lazarus. He's praying for the people that are there. Mm -hmm. 
to see what God is about in his nature. He simply shows up on the scene like Jesus does so often and calls Lazarus out. Yes. Yes. So is it possible? There's two questions that come out of this. Is it possible based on what we see right here that life was already stirring in Lazarus by the time Jesus got there? See, he says, you have heard me. Evidently, while Jesus is walking back or continuing with the disciples towards Mary and Martha, maybe even after he's already met Mary and Martha and their brother has died, he is saying, Lord, raise Lazarus for your glory. Raise him up. And so right here, is life already stirring in Lazarus before Jesus even gets to the, the grave Jesus had already prayed and the father had heard. That's what Jesus said. So then why does Jesus need to be here? Well, the first question, hmm, was life stirring makes us think of this. How many people do we walk by every day and life is stirring Life is stirring. We don't see it yet. When a seed goes into the ground, which is what God said the word is like, but when a seed goes into the ground, doesn't it take a little bit to see it come out and come forth? And it has to die in the ground and open up. But we think that there's no life because it's still subterranean. And sometimes that's the way it is in the people around us. Now, do we truly believe that God's word is true? That it says no one comes to the father unless the spirit draws them. That's right. Do we believe that? Yes. Then do we believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in people all around us? That he's stirring life in people that we have called dead. Uh-huh. We've labeled them as dead. They smell dead. They act dead. Mm-hmm. But life is already stirring in them. He's already working in their hearts. You see, sometimes we experience the struggle that these people are feeling. And so we avoid them. We step away. We say, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. Facebook is all full of people saying, if you've got negative people, cut them off. You don't need relationships with negative people. Oh, that is not what the word says. Aren't you glad Jesus died for negative people? Come on. Come on. Listen, without Jesus, I am the most negative, pessimistic person you could ever find. I I could have been, in my former life, I could have been an (laughs) insurance adjuster and done risk assessment. I can tell you what's wrong. I could walk around this building and go, it's going to fall down. This whole building is going to fall down. I just know it. I can see it. See this brick? I can find what's wrong with everything. But Jesus... Yes. Came to show me what's right. Come on. And Jesus died for those kind of people that, that part of us doesn't want to be around. Come on, somebody. I want you to think of it like this. Has anybody ever been asleep and you're, you wake up and your arm is dead? 
I mean, the first time that happened to me when I was a kid, I thought, oh no, if I tell my mom, they're going to have to cut my arm off because I'm going to have gangrene in it. Because that's what I thought happened immediately. But my, your arm will be so dead and you're doing this and then something hits you. Don't do that. Because you know what's going to happen. It's going to start stinging and that sting is horrible. And you got to make it through the horrible. And y'all, there are people and parts of them, really their heart is dead. And as they start to wake up, because Holy Spirit is starting to convict, Holy Spirit is starting to show them something different. They start flinging everywhere and you're in the way and you get hit by this arm, by this constant verbiage that comes out of their mouth as they fling, not knowing what to do. And the thing is, they're closer than they were 10 minutes ago to being saved, but they look worse because it stings, because they don't want to face it, because it's hard. And so they're feeling something come to life that they've never felt before. And rather than run from the struggle that they're going through, the frustration they're giving out, What if we say, God, what are you doing? Because I want to be a part of it in the middle of their yuck. I want to get in because they're coming to life, even though they don't have a clue that's what's happening. Listen, when we run into people that have no hope, everything they've trusted has let them down. Mm -hmm. They're frustrated with everything in life. Why should we expect them not to act frustrated? Come on. When everything seems out of control, why would we expect they don't act like a control freak? Right. Come on. Why do we expect sinners to act like they're not? Come on. You know, it's one of those revelations that just makes you go. (laughs) We expect the unsaved to act like they're saved. And if you act nice enough, then I'll be interested in coming and showing you Jesus. Mm, ouch. Man. Ouch. I'm not talking to any of y'all though, right? We, we don't, we don't do that. They're discontented. They're discontented. Could it be that God is allowing people to become discontent? Oh. With the things they've been content with before. Mm. And everything in their life is being shaken. Have you noticed that? Come on. If you watch the news, you read articles, everything is being shaken. And God is allowing it. Because we're not going to change from what we're comfortable with until it becomes uncomfortable. That's right. Guys, when those moments come, we don't have to revive the dead. That's the job of Holy Spirit. But what if we start looking for cracks of light that are breaking through in the middle of their darkness, in the middle of their death? What if we are living sent, submitting to the Lordship of Jesus and listening really closely to him? And he's telling us to get close to people that we, that are flailing all over the place. Losing it. And we're submitting and surrendering to him. 
and beginning to see signs of life in dead things. Y'all, if you're a doctor, there is probably nothing better than if you get to be the one that sees somebody who was laying on that table dead come to life. What about it when it's eternal, y'all? We are the ones that get to be part of the revival. It's not that we do it. Holy Spirit does it, but he uses us as the doctors to see the hope of life. So instead of just inviting people to a revival, how about we start to recognize revival that's happening in people? Yes. Yes. What we have labeled as negativity, what we've labeled as just bad behavior, they're just acting out. Well, yes, they are. They are because maybe revival's happening. Maybe revival. And instead of inviting them to this revival, we get to go be a part of their revival. Yes, come on, come on. Sorry, y'all, I get a little excited about people coming to life. Come on. Dead things coming alive. That's exciting. Can I get an amen? So first, we looked at a revival that's happening here. Secondly, the next thing that happens is a removal. If there's going to be a revival, there has to be a removal. Can I get an amen? Amen. In verses 38 and 39, we read this. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone. So if Lazarus was already coming to life, why was Jesus even there? Well, because somebody had to go, hey, goofballs, let him out. (laughs) Somebody needs to make a way for people to get out. And sometimes... Don't get me wrong, this is not an either or, but we try to plan stone removing events in church. Okay, God can use an event to take stones away, but I will tell you that most stones are truly taken away by somebody who loves somebody enough to get there, notice that signs of life are coming, and begin to roll away the things that have kept that person trapped. Y'all, it is our job, not always as a group, sometimes as a group, but many times individually to say, God, What are the stones that I need to be part of moving in my neighbor's life? You see, all these people that were there, all the people that were there when Jesus showed up, they were there on another mission. Why were all those people there? They were there for a funeral. They were there to mourn. All these people showed up. They obviously had relationship with this family. And that's why they were there to comfort the sisters, to mourn, to have a funeral. But Jesus has to come on the scene to go, y'all are on the wrong mission. Hmm. We talked about that this weekend, that sometimes we go to the store and we think our mission is to get bread and milk and eggs because it's always bread and milk and eggs. 
What do y'all do to all the bread, milk, and eggs? What is happening? Is there a crisis in this nation with bread, milk, and eggs? But man, y'all know what I'm talking about. The wife says, on the way home, pick up some bread, milk, and eggs. And so we go to the store to get those, and we think that's our mission. But actually, our mission is the guy that's right down here that's just staring at the rack. And it's not about bread for him. Everything in his life has fallen apart and he just needs somebody to be there on the right mission. To be able to see him. Just notice him. But when we're there on the wrong mission, we don't even see him. Come on, somebody. Amen. We're busy going, which kind of bread does she want? She want the brand, the seven grain, the home style, the butter top, the mixed white stuff, the thing and the things and the, it's all in plastic. I don't know. How many people never stepped out of the darkness of the grave into the light of grace? Not because Holy Spirit wasn't working, but because nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. Nobody heard Holy Spirit say, because we struggle with Shema, that it's time to roll some stones away. What if living scent is rolling the obstacles out of the way of people? Rolling the lies out of the way. Speaking some truth. Knowing them enough. Hearing their stories that we don't like. If there's one thing God has put us in Sarasota to do and in that area, it's to sit with people and sometimes hear about things we don't want to hear about to figure out, God, what are you trying to say in their struggle? See, the story of the Good Samaritan, everybody just kept walking past. They were on a mission the Levite and the priest might have been on a mission to get to church, to get to the temple. But the one who saw this man that was almost dead was a Samaritan, was the least likely. Has anybody ever watched that show, I Shouldn't Be Alive? Has anybody ever watched that? I love that show. Y'all, I freak out though the whole time. There's these people that have gone into, you know, they've gone into areas, maybe they're in a canyon, maybe they're on a mountain and it's snowing and there's, they're stuck for whatever reason. And over and over, people will be this close to getting them. They'll hear the sound of a helicopter. They'll hear the sound of a voice. And for whatever reason, the person passes them by. And the whole time I'm sitting there screaming at the TV, they're right there. And then I'm also like the person's laying there and I'm like, yell, you've got to have one last yell in you. Yell, be louder, do something. And and I'm freaking out like I can fix this from outside the TV when this happened years ago or something. But the reality is, is y'all, we are walking by people laying there dying And we forget we're sometimes on our mission and we're not hearing father that it's time to remove their stones. You know, when they put the the white letters across the bottom during those shows and it says dramatization, this is a dramatization, not actual event. They put it on there for people like us (laughs) because we're the ones that are yelling at the TV like we're going to fix it. 
and do something, you know? How, how many of you have ever heard that term, saved by the bell? And no, I'm not talking about the TV show. <laughs> not talking about Screech and all his friends, all right? I'm not even talking about how the term got taken and used in boxing. The term actually came from the days before we had some of the medical science to make sure that people were actually dead. Well, the way they would determine that is they would check for a pulse. They'd listen for breathing. But if their pulse was really light or their breathing was really light, they couldn't actually say definitively, this person is dead. So what they would do is when they would bury a person, they would put a bell on a stake next to the head of the grave and they'd run a line down into the top of the casket. So that if somebody revived in the casket, they could ring the bell. And then they would hear it and they would, they would rescue them. But now I want you to think about this in real life. Do you think if you were buried and you revived and you woke up and it's pitch black and you can't move and it's wood and you start to dawn, it dawns on you, you are buried alive. Do you think that you're going to begin to say, oh my, I'm buried, alive. Hello? Oh, hello? Um, excuse me, um, if you couldn't be too bothered, I'm here. How many of you would be polite about your rescue? No, 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 no. Listen, if you, I don't care how much of an introvert you are. If you are buried alive, you are going to look a little bit more like this. You're going to be clawing and clawing and then you find the string. You find the string, the string, the string, the string. And you start yanking on that bell. And I can imagine the guy that's the keeper of the cemetery. He's in, in his little house asleep. And then he hears ding, 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 ding. Oh my. There's a bell. Hark. Yonder bell doth ring. Could you call on Sunday and we'll dig you out? I don't think so. Somebody that knows it's his job is going to jump out of bed. It's a bell. It's a bell. They're alive. Somebody's alive. Get, get up, get up, get up. They're alive. They're alive. Come on. We got to get them out. Anybody in the village, if you're awake, come on. They're alive. Come help me grab a shovel. And people start to stir and lights go on in the village. Grab a shovel. And by the time it's all said and done, you got 20, 30 people. They're digging. Get them out. They're alive. They're alive. What if the church understood its job? What if your neighbor who has been so abrasive? Hey, how you doing, neighbor? I've been trying to find out his name for five years and he won't even give me that. 
But what if you notice the signs of life? He's alive in there. He's alive in there. Hey, 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 you, you're part of my community of faith. Come on, grab a shovel. We're going to dig. We're going to dig. Can you come over for dinner? And I'm going to invite my neighbor. Can you come help me dig? We're going to have a conversation at the table and show him what the kingdom of God looks like. We might not even really, really, really say the name of Jesus in that conversation. Because it's a first conversation. But it's just we're going to start taking the stones away of why he thinks he hates life, the church, and everything to do with the gospel. Mm. See, they took the stone away. The people in their funeral duds took the stone away. Sometimes we're fixated on the stones of our loved ones. We think and we're so defeated by their addiction, defeated by their anger, defeated by even their success. We're defeated by how bad their marriage is. They can't ever work it out. We're defeated by the the fact that they're stuck in lifestyles that are anti the ways of God. But God is doing his part. He's bringing Lazarus to life. And he's saying it's time to start just moving stones because you hear me. You hear what I'm saying. See, sin smells. And we don't like that. We want to stay in clean smelling places. How many like the smell of the landfill? Y'all, sometimes it's like the landfill in lives. It's like the landfill. And we have to step in the middle of it and say, you know what? Spiritually, Lord, plug my nose. Watch over me. But God, right now, I need to be right where they are. Because they're stuck there. They're stuck there. For years, we've quoted, come out from among them and be ye separate. We've quoted, touch not the unclean thing. We've quoted, don't even get near the very appearance of evil. Flee from it. And we've taken that scripture and used it to make ourselves stay clean. When the Bible says that Jesus was accused of being a sinner because he hung out with sinners. Mm -hmm. Does your pastor, do they have permission to hang out with people who might damage their reputation? Mm. Are we more concerned with what other good people are going to think about us than we are with the people who God is stirring life in them? He's stirring life in them. The Bible says Jesus made himself a man of no reputation because he was on the father's business. He knew his mission. He knew his job. I was sent by the father to represent the father to people who forgotten what he's like, man. So there's a revival, there's a removal. Then there's a request. Verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, many of us always thought this was where he came to life. But let's look real practical here. Lazarus can't see really well. He's wrapped in grave clothes. Lazarus can't hear very well. He's in a cave and he's wrapped in grave clothes. We're going to talk about that in a second. But how many loved ones, friends, neighbors, co-workers have we prayed for? 
and we've tried to live the life in front of them and we've spoken the words of Francis of Assisi who said that we should display Jesus and when we need to speak. But we've never had the courage to actually step up to the cave, even if Holy Spirit has said, because this is the key. It does have to be Holy Spirit saying. But sometimes you've got to stop just living the life in front of them. And you've got to step up to that cave because Holy Spirit is telling you. And even if you're afraid of rejection or anything else, it's time to come out. Are you ready to come out? Will you make a choice? like Joshua when he said, choose this day whom you will serve. Yes, we're supposed to serve people. Yes, we're supposed to meet tangible needs in people's lives. Because that's part of the gospel. It's good news. To someone who's hungry, good news is food. Yes. To someone who's struggling to clothe their children, good news is clothing. For someone who's lonely, good news is relationship. Yes. But at some point, we need to be willing to step in and say, do you know Jesus? Are you ready to stop living your life the way you're living it and accept new ownership? Mm -hmm. Are you ready? You've tried to make it happen yourself. And like Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? Obviously, it's not happening. Are you ready to give your life to the king who created you. At some point, we have to be willing to take that step. See, Jesus didn't come to make mean people nice. That's right. He came to make dead people live. Mm-hmm. That's why he came. But so often we're so afraid, what if they reject me? They will. What if light's stirring? What if I've rolled the stone out of the way and I step them and I go, come on out. And they just want to stay there. Listen, y'all, sometimes our job is just to give them a choice. Give them a choice. They don't even know they have a choice. They've accepted this is my life. I'm going to be miserable and broken and hurting. My whole life, nobody's ever going to love me. Nobody's ever going to accept me. I'm never going to be able to count on anything, but they need a choice. Y'all, there was a lady that I used to clean for, and this was a long time ago. It wasn't this time that we lived in Sarasota. There was a lady I cleaned for, and she was in her 90s, and she was going into surgery, and I had cleaned for her for quite a while. And she knew that I was a Christ follower and she had a, a grandfather who had been a Methodist circuit riding minister, but she was far away from a believer. And so the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, you know, she's going into surgery. You've got to, you've got to talk to her. So I went into her and I said, you know, Miss Virginia, I wouldn't be worth a red cent if I didn't tell you verbally about the one that I follow and I trust fully and that you know you're going into surgery you're in your late 90s and you have no assurance of what's about to happen and she looked at me and said this she said 
I can appreciate that you feel very firmly about what you feel. She said, but I am an unbeliever and I'm fine with that. And if I die, I'm fine with that. And I walked out of that conversation, walked to her kitchen and Holy Spirit spoke to me. You were responsible to give her the choice. It's not that I was responsible. I still pray that before she finally passed, she made a different decision. But y'all, sometimes we're responsible to, to ask, could I have felt rejected? Yes, but she wasn't rejecting me. She was rejecting the Jesus who say, would save her. But I was responsible and God would have held me responsible before his throne to give her that choice. So a revival, a removal, a request, and lastly, a retraining. A retraining. In verse 44, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to who? Them. Them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Are you seeing something here? Jesus prayed before he got there. And up to, up till now, every piece of what's happening here has been the people that were there on the wrong mission and God had to change their mission. Wait a minute. Say that again. Cause that's really good. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Okay. People were there on the wrong mission and Jesus was there to change their mission. Mm-hmm. To get them on mission. Jesus told his disciples, come follow me and I will make you do something different than you have. Mm-hmm. I will change your mission. You think you're about your father's business. No, 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 no. Fishing is what your daddy did. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you what my daddy's business is. Mm-hmm. My daddy's in the Fishers of men business. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to change your mission because I'm going to change you. And Peter thought because he had denied Jesus that he had, that he had to go back to the old mission. And Jesus shows up on that shore after resurrecting. And he says, "Uh uh-uh, Peter, do you love me? Then get on mission. Do you love me? Get on mission. And so many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. If we will learn the lessons of Lazarus and live into them, the world is going to see. I believe that with all my heart. The Lord spoke to me and typically we don't tell this story in this service, but I'm going to tell it. Have any of you ever read the, the story in Ezekiel about Ezekiel's river before? And how he goes in, if he goes in so far, it's ankle deep, then it's knee deep, then it's waist deep, and then he has to swim in the river. Yes. But let me tell you, until I read a book by a man named Mike Breen, I totally missed this. We are waiting for revival in the church. We are calling for it. We are praying for it. But the reality is, go back and read the story. The river is only a trickle coming out of the temple. The knee deep, the waist deep, the swimming 
happens as it runs into the dead places towards the dead sea and things begin to come alive alive all along the edges of this river because the river is flowing there and Ezekiel is experiencing living in the river guys what if this last revival and I do believe we're at the end What if the last revival isn't happening? It's just a trickle if you try to experience it here. See, we want the worship service to get better and everybody to flood in the church. That's not the way Ezekiel's river went. Ezekiel's river got deep when he began to flow into the area of dead spaces. When he went out from the temple and when he began to live in that water of Holy Spirit that's awakening the dead closer and closer to the Dead Sea. So if you want to swim in the river, you got to leave the temple. Mm. If we're going to dance in the river, come on, anybody want to dance in the river? Then we've got to go to the dry places and we'll experience the river. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, And lo, I am with you. Mm. He's with us as we go do what Mm. he told us to do. I'm going to tell you, you're going to experience a level in the Lord you have never experienced if you will personally go to your world. It will call it out and God will show up because you are giving away everything he's giving you. Mm. So there's two pieces to the response today. Because I believe we have to respond to the word. Amen? Amen. We actually need to say yes or no. We either need to come out of the cave or we choose to make our bed and stay there. Wow. This morning, there's two pieces to this. Number one, maybe you're here and you've been acting nice in church. But inside your arm is so dead. It's so dead. And you're miserable in this place of life because inside you're dead. And you just want to leave because every time you're here, something is stirring and you don't like it. It's not fun. Anybody enjoy being under conviction? It's not fun. When the Holy Spirit is moving on you and you're resisting, it's not fun. It's like trying to swim against the current. You wear yourself out. And Jesus is saying today to you, you don't have to fight what I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm doing because there's so much more I have for you. Instead of rowing your boat and doing it all yourself, why don't you put up the sail and let me take you where I want to take you? If you're here today and you're struggling with that and you're saying, you know, I'm not ready to go all the way in. My mom and dad, this is their religion. I'm not even sure I believe this or not. But you know you're not happy. You look at yourself in the mirror and you don't even like yourself. I said you're looking in the mirror and you don't even like yourself. 
I'm speaking to people here this morning. You don't like yourself. And there's a grave robber here today who loves you so much. He died for you just the way you are. And he wants you to experience all he is. Because when you stop making it about you and you make it about him, you're going to find yourself in a place where you actually love your life. I promise you, I'm talking to you as a preacher's kid who was miserable. Miserable. I wasn't a bad kid. I didn't set out to break all my parents' rules, but I did not belong to Jesus. I didn't have my own relationship with Him. And it wasn't until I surrendered to Him that I found out who I am. I'm a king's kid. I'm loved by a Father who will never fail me. The creator of the universe who's so big, we measure his stuff with light years. That's the ruler we use to measure his stuff. And yet, he knows every chromosome in my body. He created me by hand. He spoke and the other things happened. But when it came to you, when it came to me, he stooped down. No, this one I'm making by hand. He crafted you. He molded you and made you. And you don't even understand the beauty that he placed in you. Because all you can see is what you wish was different. And today, the grave robber is calling you out of your own self-imposed grave. He's saying, I want to set you free. I want you to know me. And when you know me, when you behold me, the one who is altogether lovely, you'll see the beauty that I put in you because it's me that I put in there. That's the first piece. The second piece is this. The second piece is you're here and this just resonates in you. You're going, yes, 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 but... There have been a lot of altar calls that you've had a self-imposed but on the end of everything. Well, this altar calls for these kind of people, and I don't need that, so I don't have to respond. You've qualified the response, so you haven't responded at all. And today, the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to use you to rob graves all over this area. I want you to rob graves in your neighborhood, rob graves on your job. I want you to rob graves at the ball field. I want you to rob graves in the schools. I want you to be a grave robber. I want you to terrorize hell. Yes. And there's part of you that's going, yes, yes, yes. But I want you to die to that excuse die to that reason die to that qualifier and put it in the tomb and come on out and be who he's called you to be to live as the sent people of God in this county in this region so here's what we're going to do and I feel this very strongly 
If you're here and you're sensing either one of those and you know I'm talking to you, you want to be something else because you don't like who you are. And God is saying, I made you just the way you are. You just have to surrender to me. You just need to surrender to me. Give your life to me. Or if you're here and you're saying, I want what you're talking about. I want it and I'm done with playing it safe. I'm done with with being average on the curve. I want what you're talking about. I want to be a grave robber. And you can feel it stirring in you. You're struggling even right now. You're almost licking your lips because you can feel it. If that's you and either of those apply to you, I'm going to ask everyone in this place to stand to make room for you. And I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are. Come and get it. Come and get it. Because the dinner bell is ringing up here right now. And Jesus is saying, I want this for you more than you want it. I want you to live in the freedom that I've called you to. No matter how long you've served me, no matter how long you've been a Christian, I want you to walk in the fullness of the anointing that I have for your life. I want you to be free to represent me in the earth. And I want you to know who you really are because of what I've done for you. Hallelujah. 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 As the worship team leads us, I just want us to press in and say, Lord, whatever you want, however you want it, I'm yours. I surrender to whatever you want for me. In Jesus' name, if you have a prayer team here or elders to minister, if you'd make your way to the front, we want to pray with these that have come up and believe God for what he wants to do in their lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you been challenged today? I want to encourage you to take what God has spoken to your heart and go live it out there. As we often say, we come here to get encouraged and to worship and to love on one another, but that's our mission field. We need to reach people for Jesus. I'm going to close in prayer. I encourage you to stop by the table in the back and meet with our guests. You can sign up for their newsletter. Um, They've got some other stuff back there you can check out. I encourage you to give. Put it in the offering box. Or if you don't have the ability to do that before you leave, do it online. Because we want to bless them for being with us here all weekend. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And the privilege that we've had to be in your presence today. We thank you, Lord, for bringing David and Vicky to be with us for this whole weekend and for what we've learned. And God, I pray that it would not just be stuff that we have, what we, we've taken in and we store it in our brain, Lord God, and we don't really do much of anything with it. But may we all grow closer to you and walk, Lord God, more diligently on the path you have for us to make a difference in our world for you, to be on the right mission as we go about our day-to-day missions. And God, we pray for David and Vicki. Lord, we pray that you continue to use them from place to place to place as they have opportunity to go to other churches. We pray that you would use them there in the, in the, in the Sarasota area, Lord God, with the specific ministry that you've planted them in to touch these people's lives that you continue to guide and lead them to just the right people at the right time that many would come into your kingdom. And God, use us to do the same thing. God, we thank you and we praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love on one another before you leave this place today.